the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life is filled with both sunshine and storms. But without God's navigation, souls can easily become spiritually shipwrecked. Anchored in Christ is a weekly broadcast that ministers the scriptures so we can know Christ the Savior and enjoy salvation, security, strength, and stability found only in Him as we set sail through life's marvelous journey. Here's Pastor David Kahiwat. We've seen the period of the gospel, the particulars of the gospel. Thirdly, I want us to see the purpose of this gospel. Of the four evangelists, Mark gives the clearest account of the historical order of our Savior's uh, service. Mark presents Jesus Christ as the true servant, which is referred to as in Isaiah 53, verse number 11. The Bible says, He shall see of the servant uh, of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities uh, so this stands in contrast to Israel who had become an unfaithful servant to God Jesus is the true servant we see our Lord in this gospel in the humble form of a slave Of course, the Apostle Paul uh, referred to that in Philippians 2, verse number 6, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a what? Servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Hebrews 5 verse 8 tells us, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Mark writes primarily for a Christian Gentile audience that we may learn how to serve in imitation of the one true servant, Jesus Christ. Compared to the other Gospels, since it's it's a shorter book, There are obviously less words, but the writing is more about his work and his service. The Holy Spirit's intention, his purpose through the gospel of Mark's narrative was and is to show the world the immediate, active love of God in Jesus Christ, serving the need of men. And seeking after sinners, saving all who would place their trust in Him. That's what we're going to take a look at as we get into the narratives and the accounts of Jesus Christ. We will see our, our Savior serving the needs of men, seeking after them and saving them. And the key verse of this gospel is Mark chapter 10, verse number 45. Mark 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. Interestingly enough, 
This verse serves as the bridge, Mark 10.45, to the two portions of this gospel. The first portion, before Mark 10.45, uh, being about his service, while the second portion, after Mark chapter 10, verse 45, um, being about his sacrifice, the sin offering. Which reminds me of an illustration about our first president, George Washington. Early one morning, George Washington was walking through his campground, his camp of soldiers, and he had tasked them to secure the, the camp and fortify it by building a fence around it. As he was walking around the camp to see the progress of the work, General George Washington came across a group of soldiers struggling to lift a log to strengthen the perimeter. A corporal stood aside watching them, barking orders to them. The men lifted and lifted, but continued to struggle to lift the log high enough to complete that portion of the perimeter. And the corporal continued to bark orders, but did nothing to assist them. As the log was about to fall down in their attempt to lift it up to finish that portion, George Washington saw their struggle and he ran to help them lift that log. He grabbed the log and assisted his soldiers in placing that log in its spot, finishing that portion of the fence. Because George Washington was in his heavy coat, the soldiers didn't recognize who he was, and so they thanked him profusely. Meanwhile, the corporal stood aside, said nothing. George Washington approached the corporal and asked, Why didn't you help you, the, the soldiers? The corporal replied arrogantly, because I'm the corporal. Indeed, said George Washington, unbuttoning his coat to reveal his rank. I'm the commander-in-chief of this army, and the next time your men need help, send for me. With that, he turned and walked away. My dear friends, that is the theme of Mark. The servant of highest of ranks came down to serve mankind. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, came to serve needy people, seek the lost, and save all who would believe. So we see the period of the, of the gospel, the particulars of the gospel, the purpose of this gospel, now, let's learn about the penman of this gospel. We are told that it is the, uh, the, uh, the gospel according to Mark. Who was Mark? His obscurity in the New Testament is profound, though we do learn some things about him after the gospel accounts. Although there is an illusion of him, and we'll talk about that in the minute, here in the gospel of Mark. Early church historians claim that during our Lord's earthly ministry, Mark was about 12 years old and was an avid follower of the fisherman Peter. There's one possible reference to him in the Gospels according to tra uh, early traditional church writers. They claim that in Mark chapter 14, verse 51 and 52, which says, and there followed him a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, 
And the young man laid hold on him. Or the young men laid hold on him. And he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. How many of you ever read that account of this young man in the Garden of Gethsemane and wondered, I wonder why that was there. Have you ever read that? This account is found only in the book of Mark. And the early church traditional writers allude to the fact that that young man, the Greek word for that word young man, gives the idea of someone in his early teens. And John Mark was in his early teens during this time. And they allude that John Mark was most likely that young man who followed Peter, James, John, and Jesus Christ to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, commentators say that Mark, like Peter, zealously followed Jesus to the Garden, but when time came for him to associate with Jesus Christ, and hands were laid on him, like Peter, he forsook the Lord and departed in his shame. We know that Mark's mother was a wealthy woman named Mary, who was probably a widow, and we'll talk about that in a moment. It, was, it is believed that the upper room where Jesus and the disciples met for the Last Supper was the same place where the disciples met on the day of Pentecost, which, which was the home of Mark's mother, Mary. Mark 14, verse 15 says, And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared there make ready for us. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That one place was the home of Mary when Peter was imprisoned in Jerusalem and a prayer meeting was held for him. Acts chapter 12, verse 12, And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. By all accounts, the house of Mary and Mark was able to seat at least 120 guests. Now, if you had a home at that time that had a room that could seat 120 guests, it suggests that the owner of that home was wealthy. And so Mary, the owner of that home, the mother of Mark, was also raised in a wealthy culture. So he was also a learned individual. And most possibly pampered growing up wealthy. We also learn that Mark was called John Mark because he grew up pampered in luxury having two names. He was also not accustomed to hardship. So it would make sense that in the upper room at the Last Supper, scholars agreed that the young man who fled naked was John Mark because he was not yet at such an age able to deal with the hardships of standing up for Christ and living for Him. One theologian wrote, Luke notes that the home had a gated courtyard and Mary had at least one servant girl named Rhoda. You all remember that account. When Paul was imprisoned in Jerusalem and there was a prayer meeting made for Peter. No, excuse me, not Paul. Peter. Peter was uh, imprisoned in Jerusalem and a prayer meeting was held for Peter 
in the house of Mary and her son John Mark. They had a servant named Rhoda. God answered the prayer meeting, got Peter out of prison. Peter went to the house where they met, knocked on the door. Rhoda heard Peter's voice and went back to the prayer meeting and said, Peter's at the door. And those in the prayer meeting praying for Peter said to Rhoda, you're crazy. Isn't that interesting? Uh, To me, that's one of the comedy things in the Bible. Nonetheless, um, Mark may not have been prepared for the challenging conditions that they were to encounter. Because this is just, Mark grew up in a comfortable home. To have a gated house, large room, uh, with a servant named Rhoda, he grew up in a comfortable home setting. And this could be the reason he abandoned Jesus there in the garden and as well abandoned uh, his um, uh, Barnabas and Paul in Acts 13. Mark may not have been prepared for the challenging conditions they encountered in their travels with Paul, which brings us to more things we can learn about Mark. In Colossians chapter 4, verse number 10, the Bible tells us that he is called also Marcus, which is referenced as the nephew of Barnabas. This information is significant because of how Mark began his ministry after the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. We find that in Paul's second missionary journey, he and Barnabas had a strong disagreement on whether or not to bring John Mark with them. I don't know if you've ever read that account. But according to Acts chapter 15, verses 36 and following, the Bible says, And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city, where we, have, uh, where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, the penman of this gospel. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So Paul said to Barnabas, I don't want to bring Mark because Mark deserted us in Pamphylia and didn't finish the work with us there. One, Barnabas wanted John Mark. Paul did not want John Mark. The Bible says in verse number 39 of Acts 15, the contention was so sharp between them, between Paul and Barnabas, that they departed asunder one from another. Two great Men of God were such at odds in bringing John Mark that they split from each other in the ministry. I guess you could say that was the first church split. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus and Paul brought with him uh, Silas. He chose Silas and they departed being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Paul didn't want to bring Mark because Mark bailed on them in the work in Pamphylia. Mark's character started out falling on his face, just like Abigail Dennis. The first hurdle was the Garden of Gethsemane. 
The second hurdle was in Pamphylia, departing from the work. It's too hard. Can't handle this. And Paul didn't have the confidence in him to take him on the missionary journey. However, Barnabas, Mark's uncle, took his nephew, John Mark, under his wing while Paul took Silas. Now, we don't know what happened over the the following years with Mark under the mentorship of Barnabas, except that toward Paul's earthly ministry, we know that something changed with John Mark. John Mark grew up. John Mark got up. John Mark continued to jump over hurdles. And he finished his race so well that the Bible says in Paul's letter to Pastor Timothy of the Church of Ephesus, while Paul was imprisoned in Rome, he requested some things to be brought to him. He requested a coat because it was cold and damp in that cell. The parchments, God's word... And remarkably, in 2 Timothy 4, verse number 10, the Apostle Paul said, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me in the ministry. Isn't that amazing? That in the beginning, Paul said, Nope, I don't want Mark. He bailed on us. I don't want him with me. But at the very end, something happened with John Mark that Paul said, please bring him. I need him. He is profitable to me for the ministry. Mark didn't start well, but he finished strongly. He didn't stay down. He got back up. So I know you might be saying, well, Pastor, what, what, well, why are you bringing us these things Well, there are several principles that we can learn from the person that is Mark and his whole situation. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of this book, there are some things we can learn. And let me run them down for you, just a couple of things. First of all, we can learn this. Ministry success isn't measured by how you begin, but rather how you finish. Mark became profitable to Paul in the ministry. Maybe you're here at church today. You may be sitting there thinking, you know, I don't know how to start. I don't know how to get going. Uh, or, or maybe you've, you've been in your own Christian life wondering, how can I be used of God? I mean, I've messed up so many different ways here. How can I be used of God? Well, it starts by starting. But just get going. Keep moving. Those of us who have been runners for quite some time know that the very the most difficult step in running is the first one out the door. You got to start. And somebody has said, you don't have to be great to start, but you have to start in order to be great. And Tim uh, and and Mark started. He didn't start great. But he was great because he started. Secondly, ministry is difficult and anyone is susceptible to quitting God's call. Ministry is difficult. And people will get discouraged. 
Serving God is not an easy thing. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ is the perfect example and the epitome of what serving is supposed to be. But understand that this gospel presents him as the suffering servant. And serving God is difficult. And you will want to quit. You will want to give up just like Mark. Clearly Mark couldn't handle the difficulties of ministry at first. But he grew up and he came back under strong encouragement. The third thing we can learn from all this is this. God doesn't quit on quitters. God does not quit on quitters. John Mark left in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He departed from them in Pamphylia. But God didn't quit on him. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. If you start something for God, give it 100%. And when it gets difficult, don't worry. I know you'll get discouraged. Keep on going because God does not quit on quitters. And God will bring people your way to help you and encourage you. Number four. Fourth thing we can learn from this whole account with Mark is this. It's okay to be obscure in serving God. It's okay to be obscure in serving God. Matthew was known well because he walked with our Lord for three and a half years. He was one of the twelve disciples. Luke was a learned physician and he was used to pen a third of the chapters in the New Testament. Did you know that? I didn't know that until I did a study on Luke. He penned one-third of the entire New Testament. Paul penned a good chunk of the books. But if you count all the chapters, one-third of the chapters in the New Testament was written by Luke. Used of the Lord. Uh, John, of course, was the beloved disciple. He laid in the bosom of our Savior. And he was used of God to pen five books of the New Testament and even the final book of the New Testament, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So these three men who penned the other Gospels were well-known individuals. But Mark, he was in obscurity. And you know, that's okay. It's okay to serve God even if you're obscure. Because the Bible tells us that it is the uncomely things that are uh, necessary in the body. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. The ear can't say to the eyes, I don't need you. But it's the internal organs that are necessary. And you don't see the internal organs, do you? I don't want to see yours. You don't have to focus on my kidneys. That's a good thing. And then the fifth thing I want you to learn is this. This gospel, in its theme and narratives, teaches us to be servants like our Savior. And so, as we get ready to embark 
on an expositional study of this book, let's have a servant's heart. Willing to seek and save that which is lost, who looks for the needs of the people and serve them, seeks after them, and allows our Savior to save them. That is the example that has been set before us in this gospel. Do you have a servant's heart? If you're looking for a church family where you can serve, I'd like to invite you to Anchor Baptist Church of San Diego. We are a Christ-centered, family-oriented ministry located at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. Our services start on Sunday for Sunday School at 9.30 a.m., and our morning worship begins at 10.45. Then we have a brief time of fellowship before we begin our afternoon service at 12.15 p.m. Our midweek Bible study and prayer time is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. And if you or anyone you know is struggling with a destructive, addictive behavior, Anchor Baptist Church offers an addictions recovery ministry, which is a Bible-based recovery program that provides freedom through the power of God and His Word. This program is called Reformers Unanimous, and we meet every Friday at 7 p.m., also at 8245 Ronson Road, Suite D, San Diego, California, 92111. For more information, visit us at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. That's www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Or call us at 619-804-3413. That's 619-804-3413. Anchored in Christ is a radio broadcast supported by donations by faithful listeners like you. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you and you'd like to donate to this broadcast, please visit our website at www.anchorbaptistchurchsd.org slash giving and donate to Anchored in Christ radio broadcast. Thank you for listening and may God keep you anchored in Christ. You've been listening to Anchored in Christ with Pastor David Kehiwat. For more information, visit anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Tune in next week at the same time for Anchored in Christ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.